We welcome you to this edition of the official Titans podcast, better known as the OTP. My name is Mike Keith. As always, Amy Wells is here. Hello, Mike. Less salty. Less salty, but only because it's over. Okay. I'm focused on the future. Dave McGinnis from Titans Radio, the coach is here. I'm Mike Keith. How are you? Are you well? I'm great. I'm, right. re- I'm, I'm really good. Trying to get Jim Wyatt's attention. Turn on your microphone, Jim. All right. So Jim Wyatt is back, and he has to relearn to turn on his microphone. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, good, good Two I weeks was, in Florida. Good I was Hard third, work. On, uh, third in line here. I was... Uh, I was not on deck. I was in. Uh, You're in the hole. Three deep. So luckily, I had time to get adjusted here. That was it, a coaching. Yeah. Coming out. I mean, you need <laughs> All right. So let's jump right in with Jim White. So you do Pro Bowl and then Super Bowl. Give me your three top takeaways from your overall trip to the Super Bowl. From the whole trip, um, you know, the the main thing from the Super Bowl trip, I have to admit, was uh, was. I couldn't get out of my mind the whole time that the Titans should have been in this thing. And uh, and then I was in the Kansas City locker room after the game and seeing those guys celebrate. And, and certainly, you know, some of those guys, you have to respect and appreciate the work that they've done to, to get there. But when I saw some of those guys celebrate, it was tough to, to be in there. Uh, I certainly didn't put post any videos of that because Titans fans don't want to see the Chiefs celebrate, but this is a this was a Super Bowl the Titans could have easily won, and now get to figure out a way to get back there. But I thought they would have matched up well against San Francisco. I thought watching the Chiefs again, I certainly didn't leave there thinking that was an invincible team that uh, was the '85 Bears uh, that had won the Super Bowl, and uh, that was the biggest takeaway from me the whole time is it should have been the Titans down there staying in that hotel the Chiefs were staying in getting recognized on media night on Monday night and then playing in that game and having that stadium filled with a lot of blue instead of uh, instead of the red more much more red from what it looked like and sounded like than San Francisco a lot, lot more Chiefs fans I mean I'd, I'd say it was eight out of every ten uh, was a Chiefs fan in there and they made a lot of noise and then certainly they've they've paid their dues uh, you know been 50 years since they've been there they've got a, an owner in Clark Hunt who's a very uh, who's very well respected, and and I think he does things the right way. Um, and they traveled well. I mean, they they were they were uh, well represented at Hard Rock Stadium. Most famous person you saw? Uh, most famous, you know, I see all those the the NFL crew. You know, uh, the Joe Montana's, the Barry Sanders. Uh, I see those uh, people every year. I'm trying to think of maybe who outside the box is. I guess probably J Lo. J-Lo. Yeah. You got to see J-Lo, like, close up? Yes. Or? Okay. So uh, that's probably the most famous person I saw. Well, we saw her, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she's pretty then, famous. Yeah, she's pretty famous. Yeah. Then the other question I have for you is most interesting sort of fact that comes out of the Super Bowl or something that you learned that you did not know that would interest the OT people. Oh, man, I should have done my homework better on this. I missed this one on the script, uh, the most interesting fact. Well, you had three things, but you only gave me one, so well, I two, had to kind of build Well, it. I guess the two, I mean, I, I guess the three. Well, go, hit it. <laughs> the two was just the re, the resiliency of the Chiefs. Okay. Uh, you know, the fact that they, you know, when I watched that game and even they were down by 10 points in the second half, uh, 
it's a team that seems to find a way. I mean, they did it against the Texans, they did it against the Titans, and they did it against the 49ers. And they're a team, if you give them an ounce of momentum, then they're going to find a way to capitalize on that. And Patrick Mahomes didn't play great on Sunday night. I thought he played well when it mattered most. So I always felt like they had a chance to win. And I guess my third takeaway from the game was just I was happy for Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid's a great, you know, really good guy to hear the stories from the Chiefs about all the time he puts in, has parking, his car never leaves the parking lot. Uh, you know, he gets there at 3 o'clock in the morning, leaves a lot of times at 11 at night. I, could, I couldn't help but feel happy for him. And uh, I know Mike Vrabel, our head coach, has raved just about the influence he's had on him. He's, he's called him a lot of times during the course of his career and getting his footing here. And uh, so I was happy for Andy Reid, uh, as tough as it was to watch the Chiefs celebrate. Bottom line, it was Andy Reid's year and it was the Chiefs' year. No, it absolutely was, and they both, they both earned it. I mean, they, they, they earned it because, I mean, they had, they, they had some issues they had to work through this year, too, and, and one of them being that quarterback, you know, being hurt, and they were still able to hold it together. And, and I give a lot of credit to, to – to, of course, you know, I've known Andy, you know, for the 34 years I've been in the league. He's well-deserved, very, very well-respected in the National Football League for a lot of different reasons, you know, football being one of them, but a lot of other reasons. Uh, and being a good human being is right at the top of the list. But at the same time, you know, you've got to you've got to admire what they did because they they knew that this was they had a chance this year. That's why they reworked that whole defense. That's why they let Bob Sutton go. That's why they brought Steve Spagnola in there. That's why they, you know, they 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 cut some pretty significant players on that defense and and brought some other defensive players in. It took them a while to gel. They earned that Super Bowl victory. They earned the Super Bowl. They did. Now, are they invincible? No. But they, they won when they had to win, to Jim's point, and uh, they earned it. They won when they had their opening. They absolutely they did. did. And, that's, and, and then, I mean, and last year, you know, the 49ers at that point, I mean, they were 4-12 and last year. And uh, I talked to Peter King, I guess, in the press box before the game on kind of a look ahead for the Titans this year, and he said teams like the 49ers give everybody hope that's close and uh, that – you can get there. I mean, and and the, this team here is not a four and twelve team. This team went to AFC Championship game last year, uh, so it's doable. I mean, and, and this team could be in, in Tampa next. You got to remember the Forty ers though. They were four and twelve last year because they didn't have their quarterback. Right. You know, and that that's a that's a huge. They had they had start. The Forty ers have been so bad for so long that they they what they've did a good job of, and it's been a couple of different regimes. They did draft the right people, especially defensively. And then they hired the right coach. They hired the right coach, and 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 finally, you know, Jed York did a good thing of giving of giving, uh, you know, Shanahan and and giving Lynch six year contracts, knowing that they had a mess, but said, you know, do what you need to do to straighten this out. That was huge. That that organization has always been stable. He restabilized them, and because they, they'd gone through some uh, a really low point in their career, because that's one of the the top franchises in the National Football League. History-wise. Well, and pivoting towards the Titans and what they need to do, I mean, you look at a team like the 49ers that were missing their quarterback. That's a huge piece. The Titans we've watched over the last four or five years put the pieces together, get them in line. The Titans had the success that they had in 2019. All of this seems like a very good omen for the Titans in 2020. Well, one thing that happened for the 49ers, Coach Mack points out with the 4-12, and 12, is they lose the quarterback. And so they were almost fortunate that they bottomed out the way that they did. They're almost fortunate they went 4-12 and 12 instead of going 7-9 and nine 
because they don't get to the Super Bowl without Nick Bosa. Now, from the Titans' pivot that way, that's Jeffrey Simmons because next year we're going to have a chance to see a player who never should have been there at 19, Jim, and he's going to have a whole offseason to be healthy and to work his way through after playing quite well at, what, 80% in 2019? Yeah, I don't know what the percentage was, but I know that it wasn't completely what he will be. Right. Not what he can be, what he will be. Yeah, and I, that's a great point. I mean, I, and I, I still think the Titans need some help at edge rusher, too. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not a Boza out there, but uh, I do think Simmons takes it to a whole other level where he changes games more, I think, at the end of this year. Even though he was making an impact and he was disruptive and he was, he was freeing up other guys to do things as well, I think we're going to see a completely different player in uh, 2020. And I'm going to add one more before we go away from oh, Super good. Bowl takeaways. Just uh, uh, Tua. Uh, I had a funny Tua Tungavaloa story um, that I actually mentioned in my mailbag over the weekend. But I was in on South Beach, uh, which is where the media center was. I wasn't hanging out on South Beach. I was going to say, yeah. that's uh, interesting. But I, I spent a lot of time on that. South that's Beach. Good. Unfortunately, not a lot of time on the actual beach, but a lot of time in the media center there. But one of these days um, – and there's traffic getting over the bridge in South Beach is bad. So I, when, when I was done working, a lot of times I'd try to find a place to eat before I'd get back to my hotel, which is at the exotic Sheridan uh, Miami Airport. What, what, what? The exotic Sheridan? Yeah. What kind being, of a weird being, place were you staying? I was staying? being facetious. That oh, okay. media hotel was oh. the Sheraton uh, uh, Miami Airport. <laughs> oh. Uh, and I literally, when I dropped my car off, this is how close I was. When I left Orlando, I drove to Miami Sunday night, and I called the hotel when I got there and said, hey, you guys have a shuttle that picks you up? And they said, yeah, you know, you go to gate one, you'll be, look out there. And I looked up, and I saw a Sheridan. I said, you guys right across the street from the airport? He said, yeah, we're literally across the street. So I just dropped my rental car off, and I actually walked across the street and went right to my hotel. That's how close it was. Fancy. So, <laughs> so it was fancy. So I was waiting uh, in the traffic to, on the causeway to kind of clear up every day. So I tried to find something to eat. I was eating pizza, uh, and there was probably three or four people in there. I was watching the Vanderbilt Kentucky game on Wednesday night, and here comes Tua walking in the door with his parents. And uh, I, w- I called my daughter, who goes to Alabama, and, uh, and told her, you're not going to believe who just walked in here. I wasn't going to be a creeper and, and sure. start taking pictures of them. But I did need a refill because the game, you know, two-hour basketball game, I needed to refill a Coke. So he happened to be the only – their family was the only one that was sitting at the table next to the fountain machine. So I struck up a conversation with him. I told him my daughter goes to Alabama. We started talking about Marcus uh, because their connection at St. Louis High School. So a really a nice kid. And then the very next day, and, I, and I've told him, I, sorry to interrupt him, uh, we, we, we talked for a minute and I left. So the very next day, I'm standing in the media center talking to Eddie George, who was in there making the rounds, and who comes walking by but Tua uh, with his parents again. I had on the same visor, and I guess I've got the pencil that uh, people recognize before. So he comes walking by and says, hey, man, how'd you like that pizza last night? <laughs> and it was good pizza. So, so Eddie George so, thought so, you went to dinner with Tua. Yeah, well, <laughs> Tua, well, at least Tua knew I wouldn't. And I began to wonder if he was stalking me a little bit, that Tua ends up at the same place I was two days in a row. But he's a really nice kid, and uh, I, I don't think he's in – He's in range for the Titans to take a flyer on and let him wait. That's that's a whole another conversation. But uh, he's a very nice uh, young man from the interaction I had with him uh, twice within 12 hours. 
Jim, we don't need any more quarterback rumors or speculation. <laughs> I'm about Max out, get to and that. it's like mid February. We're going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> I, 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 I did hear he was uh, two had stopped by NBA uh, on the oh, way to uh, on the way to uh, trying to go to NBA. Uh, future kids because mm-hmm. if he plays here, maybe 10, 12, 15 years, mm-hmm. maybe one point down the road, his kid would go to Montgomery Bell Academy. I'm exhausted. Philip Rivers was at FRA. <laughs> <laughs> Eli Manning was at Brentwood Academy. Just walking around. <laughs> Just walking around. His wife actually went to Brentwood Academy, as a matter of fact. So that that could be true. Um, all right. So let me ask one one question, Super Bowl, and I want to do it quickly, but I'm dying to know what you all think. 10-10, end of the first half. Garoppolo throws a long pass for George Kittle, complete for a 42-yard gain, call back for offensive pass interference, Dave McGinnis, should that have been called? Yes. Absolutely, yes. I say no. I didn't like it either. I, 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 it was a penalty. There's no question he pushed off and created some space. I just liked it. I mean, I, there's a lot of hand fighting, and I hate to see that called. I thought San Francisco botched the the time at the end of the first half where they should have made more of that I thought possession. Andy Reid botched all that, too, running a reverse yeah. at the 40. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are you doing? But, yeah, that, that last two minutes of the half I don't think was great for either team. You want to go back to the Kittle thing? Sure. Yeah. The fir- there, was, there, were, there were two points of contact on that play. Mm-hmm. The first one was not. It was, it was incidental by both of them. But when he, when he extended his arm at the catch point, they're going to call that every time. Just like when, you're, when, when somebody gets past you, you can still bump and hold. But if you grab and they see extension, it's over. And it so, you know who explained the extension of the arm thing to me was Jeff Fisher years ago. Remember John Thornton that played defensive tackle for us, went on to the Cincinnati Bengals, had a great career. Is he still an agent? He was yeah, an he agent. Is. Yeah. He's a, he's yeah. a great guy. He pushed a quarterback one time on the sideline. It, it was an incidental play, and he didn't like throw him, but he. But he pushed him, and they called 15 yards. And it was like, oh, my goodness. And so I asked Coach Fisher about it. On the rules committee, he goes, well, he said, by definition, anytime they see somebody extend an arm, fully extend an arm in a situation, like you're pushing somebody out of bounds or in a, in a pass interference situation where they can see the arm extend, he said, that's a tell. That's a, and I, I don't know that that's the word Jeff used, but that's almost like – that's uh, a trigger point. It's for a it. trigger point. That's yeah. better. You said that better than I. Well, that's did. a trigger point for it. I mean, and immediately, as I said, there was two points of contact on that play. The first one was not. It was incidental. The second one, with the extension, they're going to call that every time, which they did. Amy Wells not happy. Well, I, I, it felt a little nitpicking in a game that was for the most part pretty clean, so it felt. It felt a little extra to me, and it turned out, in hindsight, it turned out to be a major point in that game. I thought the officials had was, a – yeah, well, I mean, if if they if they end up with a field goal there, mm-hmm. and then they get the ball to start the second half, they're up either six or ten points, and they have momentum, and yeah, right. I mean, it's yeah. a, it was and, a deal. And I can't help but go back to the Rudolph push-off in the Vikings win over the Saints that just sided that game, <laughs> uh, a very similar play. The that was difference, though, let me take you to task on that in a way, though. That's in the end zone, and the two, and you could have called illegal contact on the defender. I mean, there's fighting there. This was in the middle of the field. The other part of it, too is the official can see it. Fox, who I thought had a great day, Mm -hmm. I I thought the television coverage was really great, they had an angle 
from the back judge with back that judge. And you could see what he saw. And he saw Kittle extend the arm right there in that way and immediately that flag's coming out. I you know, I I don't know. Yeah, you know, it was a good call. Okay, it was a good call. All right, I got to ask you this question. You don't say good call very often. I know he back. doesn't. <laughs> the officials had a good day. They, they did. They did fine. All right, so l- let me ask you, Dave McGinnis, teams starting into the postseason now, our champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're the champions. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP in 2018. He was the MVP of this Super Bowl. He's 24 years old. He's already won a Super Bowl. So as teams start to sit down and plot what they're going to do, particularly in the AFC, how much will Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs specifically affect free agents you sign, players you draft, as you try to develop your team for 2020 to knock off the champions? Well, it absolutely will happen in the AFC West. Okay. It absolutely will happen. I mean, I can go back to when – well, I first went to the Rams with Jeff Fisher, and Seattle was the king of, of the NFC West. We built our whole process on beating them, and we built it on being able to control <laughs> Russell Wilson. And we did that by the defensive players that we drafted. We did that also with, 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 the, with the offensive uh, people that we brought in, knowing that we were going to have to play control ball game, keep the, the thing. So the AFC West – Absolutely it will. And you remember how Patrick Mahomes got to Kansas City. You know, Andy Reid made a very definite choice when he had a number one pick as a starting quarterback on his roster already. And so to what you're looking at, the one thing that people are always trying to get, and I, I, you know, I get amused sometimes when they say, well, you know, they've got speed. Nobody has ever gone out in the draft or in, in player acquisition and said, you know what I think I'll do? I'll try to get some slow players. <laughs> Nobody has ever, ever said that. But what they have been able to do is 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 get uh, an inordinate amount of speed at the skill positions all at once. And so that's what you're going to have to do, especially in the AFC West, because you play them twice a year. You play them twice a year, and the, that's going to have to happen. Now, as far as everybody else in the AFC, the only t- hopefully you've got to concentrate on winning your division so that you can get there, and, 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 and hopefully when you see them in the tournament, it'll be at your place because you've won enough games to get a home playoff game but your question specifically for the AFC West yes interesting interesting all right Amy Wells you're gonna get the first crack at this one okay the Atlanta Falcons announced this past Monday they will not pursue negotiations with outside linebacker Vic Beasley he's a free agent to be they posted a story on our website saying we're letting this dude go and then they tweeted it out, and then people asked them, "Where did this story came, come from?" And the What's Falcons, the, source? Yeah. the Falcons said, "Us, <laughs> yeah." This is an official statement on February the second that a guy we drafted in the first round, who led the league in sacks in 2016, who had five sacks in each of the last two seasons before 2019, and then had eight sacks this past year. We don't want this guy anymore. <laughs> How unusual! I mean, when I read it, I was like, "Huh?" I thought it was a, I, I thought it was a crank mm-hmm. at first. How surprised were you, knowing that you started your career in the PR world? Um, tremendously, because typically when something happens and there was no problem, you know, there wasn't any sort of issue, there was nothing internal. You're just not going to continue negotiating with a guy. 
you kind of just let it fade into the sunset. You just kind of let it be. And then all of a sudden, oh, yes, there has been this new deal with so-and-so and he's signing with this person. And you just kind of let it naturally flow. For a team to say, uh-uh, we don't want this one. Best of luck to you guys. You take him. What that says to me is something happened. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if that's a negotiation that went south. I don't know if he told someone where they could stick it and they wrote something because of that. Like, they wanted to make it very apparent that this guy's not ours anymore. So you guys have the opportunity to do something with him. I thought it was unbelievably rare. You don't see that very often. You know, this is unique. Uh, and I'm reading through the story now because I saw this and certainly aware of it, but I didn't see how the story was crafted. And, and I see a comment in here from Thomas Dimitrov saying, as we continue to craft our 2020 roster, we'd like to thank Vic for five years of effort on behalf of our organization. But that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> like- but uh, a part of me likes it. I mean, I have to say that I like teams controlling the news and, and owning it like this. This is different. But, oh. uh, but you know, in a world where the Shefters and the Rappaports are breaking the most of the news on the beat, um, you know, I think it's not a bad thing to have you owning it and saying this is what we're doing. I don't care whether it's not pursuing a guy, but it's signing a guy, it's trading a guy. Um, I, I'm not as against it as maybe some other people might be, especially in a world where local beat guys just aren't chasing stuff anymore. So, so why not uh, – take ownership of something but do you perceive this as the falcons owning the story and controlling the news cycle themselves or do you perceive it as a message to the player somehow that's a good thing yeah that's the only thing i don't know i mean i don't know the inner workings i don't know if something happened that maybe upset i mean reading that statement looks like things ended pretty cordially and and i think a lot of times uh you know, players, a lot of times you'll see players, this is different than the guy getting released, but uh, they'll part ways with the guy early, well before free agency starting. That way other teams know this guy is going to be on the market. You're not doing what happened to what, what happened to Ryan Tannehill last year where he gets traded well into free agency when all of his options were done. Uh, again, when you're releasing the guy early, when you're letting people know we're not re-signing this guy, other teams can get this guy on the radar, and maybe it helps them uh, in the market. Maybe it helps them find a, a new team better. So I don't know what happened there, uh, and I guess we can only speculate what it was like, but it seems to me that it ended cordially, and they're just letting it be known that he's going to be signing somewhere else where and other teams can start lining up. They were done with him, and they, and they didn't just make that decision this week. They made that decision during the year. I mean, you know, they they, they looked at, at, at what he was going to, you know, command in the market. They looked at what his production has been. They looked at what they, you know, they, they figured that they've gotten out of the – he was the number eighth pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at what they had gotten out of that. They they were done with him. They made that decision during the year. And then to be able to – just to come out and say that, I mean, that to me, it's fine. You know, it, 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 takes, it takes a lot of speculation off of their plate too because now they're not dealing with it. They're not dealing with it, you know, and, 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 you know, God bless him. God bless them. They're done. I mean, and that's, that's fine. It's unusual. It doesn't happen 
very often like that, but I don't see anything wrong with it. But don't get mistaken and think that this was a decision made because something happened, you know, just now. It, They'd made that decision. Yeah, and I, I think the one problem you run into now is you set kind of, you know, especially the Falcons, you set a precedent moving forward. If you're going to do that for him, why aren't you doing this for all these other guys? who? Well, were, the only reason you wouldn't do it for some other guys is you still might want them around. Yeah. That's why. But other guys who potentially you know you're not going to re-sign, then maybe why aren't you kind of taking the same approach with them? Well, it depends uh, on what the circumstances are. You got, I mean, they've paid this guy a lot of money, you know, to be there. And, and, and pretty soon, I mean, you know, you reach a tipping point. You know, franchises do with players, with players, production, age, and what they're looking at. And they reach the tipping point with him. A lot of people you don't, I mean, you don't reach that tipping point with everybody at the same time. Let's talk about the Tom Brady rumors. There were a couple here last week. They've been debunked, sort of, kind of, maybe. Weirdly. I, yeah, the, well, the whole thing. I'm not going to get into to all of that. That's very odd. Here, here's my question for you to start, Dave McGinnis. The, the Tom Brady thing has the potential to just go crazy everywhere because Tom Brady is basically James Bond. I mean, let's face it. He is famous, famous, famous. Outside of being a football player, he's married to a supermodel. He – I mean, he's bigger than the game of football. He's like Peyton Manning. He, I mean, they, they are big stars in our society. How long does Tom Brady let all of this go on? For a while. Yeah, for a while. Did, does he did, want to deal with all of this? How, he's not dealing with anything. How much did you like his, his Super Bowl commercial? I loved it. Actually. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, and he teased that, too. I mean, he teased well, that. and let. So he seems to be enjoying well, all he's, of this. He's fine. Yeah. I mean, look. We're all suckers. No, not suckers. Tom Brady, first of all. He's earned the right to do this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and 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 the way he the way he handled it. I mean, I thought that that his commercial was brilliant. I mean, that was one of the. Better. I did not see Hulu coming as the well, as. No, well, nobody I knew it did. was going to be something, but I didn't think the the advertisement. Well, would nobody be for Hulu. did, and that's the other great part about it is is because it had no <laughs> it had no apparent tie-in, and all of a sudden you see Brady looking like James Bond mm-hmm. walking across a, a fog shrouded field in all black, and I mean. I loved it. He'll let this go on as long as he wants to. How long will the Patriots let it go on? They ain't going to make any announcement they're parting ways with him, are they? Well, no. They've already said they'll pay him upwards of $30 million. Does he want Belichick to say, I need you here? I don't think so. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of I think I don't I, I think a lot of that between between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick is is really a lot of uh like you'd read in a novel you know people want to think want to think it's there you saw the relationship out here you know what they you know what they do i don't i don't think that plays any part of it uh i think that he's gonna let this game play as long as he possibly can i think that he's gonna let us all speculate and think and see ghosts and shadows that vaguely resemble Tom Brady and a guy in a turtleneck with brown hair and so he's magically going to Minnesota like I think he's gonna let all of this go as long as he can because I think he's having fun with because the number of sites that he could potentially go quote unquote Mm -hmm. is just growing it's Miami it's Oakland it's here it's I mean on and on and on it's Indy yeah. it's Indy yeah Indy's been mentioned. I mean look here's why he, here's why he's doing it because he can yeah he can yeah I would do it too and, you would and and I sure. referenced kind of teasing the Hulu but you know last week if people don't not on Twitter didn't see it he posted a black and white picture of him kind of walking out of a tunnel 
onto a stadium that led a lot of people believe to believe that he's walking away, he's leaving the Patriots, and then that's the buildup for Sunday. So now he gets all this time to have people talk about him. I don't know that he loves that part of it just because he's such a, a football guy, but he doesn't hate it. And uh, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, he, I did hear that Giselle was spotted at the Crystal Drive through ordering some crystal yeah, some with chicks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. some chicks and maybe mm-hmm. some crystal with some heavy mustard and no onions. <laughs> you know uh, what's really good at sounds crystal? Sounds like your order. And Jim. I don't know that they have crystal in <laughs> – they don't. In Miami or Vegas. They don't. You know what's really, that chili. <laughs> Crystal has great chili. Very underrated. Every now and then I question your guys' culinary oh, I decisions. I like Crystal. Oh, I'd yeah. eat Crystal every meal And of the I day. like bad food. But Crystal, Crystal is not bad food, I am ma'am. not. There a, used to be a Crystal right down the right street down from the here. Street from here. They oh. shut it down. That would have been a deal breaker. If they could I'd put that Crystal back in. Go through that drive-thru and get me a sacker yep. right there. Boy, oh. I, I'm good. Oh, rips I remember when they were 30-something cents and you could... In high school, you have five dollars. You go in there and, and knock king. out ten crystals, fries, and a drink for five dollars. I could hurt that. Sometimes Ooh. you get the soggy, soggy oh, buns those with are the crystal. The, the yeah. best. Yeah, might have had a little grease on them there. Oh, okay. Anyway, how about these two? I'll tell you what. And I'm hungry. Hey, if you want to bring, hey, anymore. listen. If they want to bring Crystal back, call Jim White and be Chattanooga because <laughs> that's where Crystal's from, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay. Um, so let me try one rumor on you here about a quarterback. Phillip Rivers to Indianapolis. I'm not buying that one. Not buying? Yeah, I'm not a buyer on that one, and I'm curious to see where he ends up. He bought his he sold he sold his home in California and now has Left bought San a home Diego. in uh in Miami. Um I think he um uh, I don't think I don't think India is his final resting space place. Do we think he kept his film watching van? That he traveled from L.A. to San Diego every day and like would watch tape in the back of this tricked-out van. Do you guys not know about this? Yes. Oh, oh it's so great. I'd keep it forever, like just as like an out, like a a she shed out back where he can go sit in his van and <laughs> do Amy. some work. I love Amy Wells on the OTP down by the river. Yeah, these are the things I think about. <laughs> who, who had the RV here that parked in the parking lot? Um, Kevin Mawai. That's who it was. Yeah, lived in the RV. In during the training lot? camp, yeah, yeah, during training camp, it was unusual. Kevin, well, why? Hmm. So, so the scenario, of course, with the thought behind Rivers is they need a quarterback. If they don't think Jacoby Brissett is the answer, and I don't know whether they do or they don't, I'm just talking about a rumor that's out there, right? But they got this offensive line that's unbelievable. They're going to re-sign Marlon Mack, who's a really nice back. They're good on defense. They go get this guy who doesn't have to do it all, doesn't have to make a lot of long throws. You buying it? It's got some meat to the bone. Mm. You want to win a championship? I you mean, got that's some, a, you got. It's got some meat to the bone. Now he, you've got to look at, at Philip Rivers, and Amy's right. He never moved out of San Diego. You know, when they when they were in Carson City, he drove. He did drive. He did make that commute back and forth. He's got a it was uh, part of his deal. He had a driver. Yes, mm-hmm. he did. No, he didn't drive. Driver he had a stays driver. too. So he yeah. could watch tape on he the. Could, no, yep. and he did all of that, which is which is which is fine. And <laughs> as as competitive as he is, which we you know which we all know. Now, I mean, his family situation, I mean, he's got a pack of kids. Mm-hmm. You know? He does. I mean, he, he's, he's got a group. You know, so where does that weigh in? I don't know. But your scenario as far as about the fit for a team, for what they're, you know, they are, they're not looking for somebody, I don't think, at quarterback that has to do 
it all because mm-hmm. they've got plenty around it. And we know Indy's a good football team. I'm not completely discounting that. And they've got a bunch of money, too. I'm not discounting that at all, Mike. What, what do we Amy think Wells about where he is right him, now? Right? I mean, what do we think about where he is as a quarterback right now? I mean, I know I watched him in several games at the end of the year where he was. Well, he's on the backside of third. A lot of chucking and ducking and missing receivers and just not playing all that well. I mean, I, he wouldn't be Tom Brady you're signing to try to win a Super Bowl, me, I don't think. Let me interrupt that to this point, though, to his point. That offensive line that he was working behind out there wasn't even close to this group they've got up the road here in Indianapolis. I agree with that. And they've got a Pro Bowl tight end. They've got T.Y. Hilton. They've got here, Here's the thing they have that you brought up. They've got money. They've got big-time money. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can not only pay you, they can overpay you. There's, that's the point. Interesting. Making a few dollars. Well, not a bad thing. Maybe his wife should go check out some schools in the Indianapolis area. That's what I heard. That's why I heard sure. people do now. Heard she's at Cathedral they don't High. have she's Crystal. A, she's at Cathedral High School up there in Indy. That's where they'd be. That's, yeah, that's where I they'd don't be. think... Philip Rivers eats crystal. I think I bet you a quarter Philip Rivers has had a crystal before I in bet. his life. Being I'm from sure Athens, he has Alabama. in his yep. life. Yeah. but I don't think that that's probably not on his health. He's plan gotten a sunriser too. A that, <laughs> I love a sunriser for breakfast. Oh my god! I love the crystal now. Come on now. I do too. Uh, oh gosh! Yep. Any day. Nope. Just don't even. Don't even act like you know. They shut the one down in Belmede uh, recently. They shut the one. They shut the one down in Green Hills too. I kind of like the yeah, crystal they thing. Put in Green the Hills they're putting Chick Fil A in. I have a lot of good memories at the Green Hills one. I've had a couple dates there. You took that's a, a cheap date, date to Crystal. Cheap date. Well, that's After why it didn't last. After a concert, that's how do you know it didn't? Three dollar meal. How do you know it didn't last? I'm pretty sure. Well, it's more money for the roses. That's it. Yeah, All okay. right. <laughs> Most common question I'm getting from Titans fans right now. Why don't you use the franchise tag and the transition tag and lock up Tannehill and Henry? You got plenty of time for that. Okay, they got plenty of time. How for do that. you answer it though? Now you, you can start doing it February twenty fifth. February twenty fifth. Okay, and, and you don't, you don't, and you, but you still got until what is it? Do you March the tenth? I think 10th. it's March the tenth. March tenth, yep. right? So you've got you've got time to do it. There's no reason to do that now. There is no reason. At all to do that. Well, now. the window's not even open no. yet. No, but but people are asking the question as to when the window opens on February twenty fifth. Why not just do it? Just be Amy, Amy Wells for a hundred. Can I have a, ask a question? Sure, redirect. Isn't that no? It's very much on topic. Isn't that very expensive? Ah, that's the Amy key. Wells, like with the, excellent, excellent, very expensive. I think between the two of them. You would, from the estimates that I've seen, you would be tying up roughly thirty-seven, thirty-eight million dollars in cap room because it's all salary. Yeah. And I'm looking at the numbers right now. The projected 2020 tag for a quarterback, the franchise is 26.8. The transition is 24.3. Okay. And for a running back, the the franchise is 12.4. Running back is 10.2. Roughly, roughly 37 million either. Whether you did Tannehill franchise or transition, uh, Henry, either way, it's roughly $37 million. That all counts against the cap right now in salary right this minute. Even top 51, right. however you're, you're playing it, it's, it's $37 million right now. And it only guarantees you one more year. Correct. Like, that's a tremendous amount of money for 
one year. Well, and if you're saying the Titans have, and I mean, according to who you believe, 50, 60 million, I don't know what the cap number, they have a good, they have a good amount of money, but then you're chewing up, what, two, of it. two-thirds, yeah. three-quarters of it just right away. Yeah, yeah, and it could, I don't know if it guarantees you, but it could give you a, a disgruntled player in some ways mm-hmm. who's who's been looking forward to a long-term deal and when you got two guys that are up and one of them gets a franchise tag and the other one gets the long-term deal then there could be some feelings there so i don't know that you want to live year by year safe to say it's too easy an answer i think so i mean and and it's an option that you can hold on depending on how contract talks go that's why the the nfl calendar is like it is it gives you the chance until march 10th to negotiate you know, what's really interesting right now is to see what's happening with the discussion on the collective bargaining Absolutely. agreement. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of talk that if they get something done before the the uh, fiscal year starts on March the 18th, that some of the new things could come into play right away, right away. and could change how dollars are allotted right away. So everybody... There's a lot of talk about the 17 games and the reduced preseason and the expanded postseason. But if it happens, what will be most interesting immediately is the financial impact now. And this, look, this this is not the time, and especially you bring up something else that, that comes into the mix here, for front offices to be ready, fire, aim. This is not the time to be ready, fire, aim. And the good front offices aren't. Which is, I mean, John Robinson is, def- that's why... The statement with Vic Beasley that the Falcons made, I don't think John Robinson would ever do that. He might tell the agent privately, but I don't think he would ever do something publicly agree with that. like that because he's never going to show a card. He'll never show he's a card. not going to show one card to anybody. I agree with that nope. 100%. And while I don't – I'm like you, Jim. I don't blame the Falcons. It's just it's unusual that they would tip their hand this early – because everybody's watching them going, okay, if Vic Beasley's not coming back for sure, then they're definitely in the market for this player, this player, this player. You back there, yourself there, into uh, a corner. We, well, and also what you do when you open up like that and you make – I mean, now we're going down, you know, a lot of roads here. But when you do that, they immediately tip their hand a little bit about where they're leaning in the draft. Right. You know, I mean, all of that stuff matters. And so I say – Good front offices, which we've got a great one here in John Robinson. Ready, fire, aim is not what they do. All right, OTPQs. We want them. Okay, so we're not going to do any this week. We're not going to do any this week, but we're going to do the whole show of OTPQs on the next OTP. So tell people how they can send us their questions for Coach Mack and Jim. If you head over to titansonline.com slash OTPQ. There is a form. Type your questions into that form. Hit go or submit, whatever it says. Just make sure you send it. We will receive it. We will ask them on next week's OTP. Go do it right now. If there's something that's on your mind, don't wait because you'll forget. So just go do it right now, titansonline.com slash OTPQ. All right. I'm looking forward to that. I Mm -hmm. love the OTPQs. I I do, too. too. What's brewing now? Jim Wyatt, you have been missed. Rhett Bryan sat in for you for two weeks. Okay. He did a really nice job, but you have been missed. 
So you go first for what's brewing. I'm going, and mine changed this morning when I saw the announcement that the Jaguars will play back-to-back home games in Wembley Stadium in 2020. And it, and this follows the announcement from the commissioner that the, that the NFL is going to play a game in Mexico. So what's brewing in my mind, if are we going to London again next year as a potential Jaguars home game, or we could potentially go to Mexico that's brewing for me. Is. And it's interesting, the Jaguars, in making the announcement, have said to their fans, our home games with Pittsburgh and Chicago are not under consideration for London. So that means two shots out of six, or a one in three chance That's overall. That's a 33% chance That's he's doing f- the quick math. Well yeah. played. <laughs> 33.3. Well played there, Jim White. You I didn't go to NBA. I went to Ryan, not NBA, but uh, that came to me pretty quickly. But you guys quickly. used to beat NBA quite a bit. Used to. It's school. been a while. Been a little bit of a... Uh, dry spell of late though and then they don't want to play us anymore well but that's another story but we do know (laughs) that two of eight or two of six chances for the titans we could be going back to london next year as a jaguars home game that would make me so happy Mm -hmm. and then that would be what's brewing because of all the beer that's right, but unfortunately no crystal over in london no crystal but maybe you and i open one that wouldn't that be be a bad idea wow let me wow. just say this. The trip that we took with the Titans franchise to London, I've been to several, was the best team trip overseas I've ever been on. Outside of the last 25 seconds of the game. You're well, right. I'm just yeah. talking about the way it was handled. Oh, the whole thing was great. Our ops mm-hmm. people and the way, the, way, the way this franchise handled it was the, the best. I would be all, if that comes down, I'm all for it. Amy Same. Wells, what's brewing with you? Now, I don't say many nice things about this person, so this is a rare occasion. Get ready, Coach Mack. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> no. Um, JJ, JJ Watt was on Saturday Night Live this past Saturday, hmm. right before the Super Bowl, and I thought that he did a really good job. It was very clear that he is not a professional actor, but I thought he was funny. I thought he did things very well. I thought he handled himself well. I laughed, which I don't always laugh out loud. You know, I've got to be in the right place. But I thought it was funny. I thought he did a really good job. And it was cool to see somebody like that, somebody who we are a little bit more proximal to on a show like that. So good job, J.J. Watt. I might not ever say it again, but you were funny on Saturday Night Live. I like that take. What's brewing with me is everything that is going on around St. Thomas Sports Park. I mean, we know and we talk all the time here about the, uh, where this football team is going, but where this organization is going, the, the construction and everything that is going on around this place, and, and those of us that, that come here daily and, and, and look at it, it's impressive. It is really, really impressive, and I think it just, you know, fits right in with what's going on with the football team and this organization under Amy Adams Strunk. I mean, there is some real stuff going on here that you can tell is going to be pretty nice to see. What's brewing with me is Roger Goodell's good fortune, and I say it not because I'm trying to take anything away from what he and the NFL have done during their 100th year, but you still have to have things fall the right way. Like we said, it was Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs' year. This has turned out to be Roger Goodell's year. The 100th anniversary of the NFL starts with the draft in Nashville. It is a wild success. 
the offseason didn't produce any big stunning headlines that loomed over the league the whole year. The season itself comes around, more close games than ever, more excitement, new faces emerge for the league to grow with a, a guy like Lamar Jackson who becomes another mega star, and this league is always looking for those. And then the postseason ends up being phenomenally exciting, and the guy who is really becoming the face of the NFL at this moment ends up winning the championship a team that was an original AFL team that was a hallmark team in the merger, had waited 50 years, they win a championship, and the Super Bowl day goes well. The halftime show was incredible. The kids coming in with the game ball before the game was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Everything that went around it was feel good. Over 100 million people watched. It looks like we're on the verge of a collective bargaining agreement. If he gets that, Roger Goodell in the NFL's 100th year is not just a home run. It is a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth to win game seven of the World Series. Great analogy, and I agree 100%. Living right for all the, the heat that he was taking during the Ray Rice thing two or three years ago, the heat that he took during the last collective bargaining agreement, the heat that he has taken rightly in certain instances – you must credit the man and give him and his team and the overall league credit for the year that they have. I don't know that a sports league has ever had a better 10, 11, 12 months than what the NFL is experiencing, especially if they complete the CBA agreement. I mean, that's with you. It's a great take. I mean, it really is. I know this. I know we're at the end of the OTP, but when you start talking about edge rushers, I just. How many pages do you have? Well,. You we and get, Rhett Bryan already started looking at the class. Of them. Here we go. So it's a fresh notebook. This I is going to be. This is. Gonna I love be, it. This is going to be good. This. This is for another day. You've got to sell that notebook for charity. I've got every notebook I've ever done in thirty-four drafts. Wow. <laughs> Jim White, we are so glad you're back. Tell people how they can follow you on social media. Uh, glad to be back. It's at Jay Wyatt Sports on uh, Twitter and Instagram. At Titans Amy, A-M-I-E. And Coach Mack, when are you doing your radio hits on 104.5 The Zone? Uh, I do the Wake Up Zone from 8 to 9 on Monday. Central. Uh, Central. I do uh, 3HL from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock or 2.30 to 3.30, depending on, on, on Wednesdays. And then on Thursdays from 10 to 11, I do the Midday 180. You can listen to Coach <laughs> Mack all during the week on our flagship station, that's 104.5 The Zone. You're on there as well, Jim. I am. I'm on there on uh, on a regular spot during the season. It's probably a little bit more, uh, moves around a little bit more off season, but do Wednesday 3.30, I'm sorry, Wednesday 8.30 in the morning, and then Tuesday 3.30 p.m. Um, with the 3HL crew, and then wake up zone in the morning. So no. Next Wednesday. week, OTPQs, the entire show, Amy Wells, where do they put them in? TitansOnline.com slash OTPQ. The entire show, your questions next week. For Coach Dave McGinnis, Amy Wells, and Jim White, Mike Keith says thanks for listening to this edition of the OTP.